Well, if you weren't here last week, we, we began a brand new steri- series called Life in the Spirit. And what we said is that the language Paul uses for living the Christian life, it's a very practical series about living the Christian life, the language Paul uses for that is the language of life in the Spirit. And so it's important how you talk about what it means to live the Christian life. You might have heard this idea that Christ died for you and now you need to live for him. Christ died for you and now it's your job to live for God. That's not exactly accurate. It's more like this, Christ died for you and now he lives through you by his spirit. The Christian life is not you slugging it out on your own, but it's God by his Holy Spirit coming to live the Christian life through you life in the spirit. And the illustration we gave is one by Bishop William Temple. He said, it's no use giving me a play like Shakespeare's and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, but I can't. And it's no use giving me a life like Christ's and telling me to live a life like that. Christ could do it, but I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. And that is exactly what's going on in the Christian life. God, by his Holy Spirit, living in you, enabling you to live a life like Christ, empowering you to live a life like Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you. And we said uh, that, this, um, that this phrase that Paul says in verse 16 is really important. Paul says, now you've got the spirit. What I want you to do is learn how to walk in the spirit. And that is the sum total of the Christian life, learning how to walk in the Spirit. Now, if you've ever tried this, this is way, more, this is way harder than it sounds. You know, you, you think of the phrase, walk in the Spirit, it almost sounds sort of serene and peaceful. You know, you go take a walk in the park with your spouse, you know, it's beautiful, it's peaceful, you're just kind of traversing through the park, it's serene and peaceful, you take a walk on the beach, You know, you go down to the beach and you hear the ocean and you're just kind of walking down the beach. It sounds very serene and peaceful. Or there's the movie, A Walk in the Clouds, you know? Keanu Reeves, anybody? A Walk in the Clouds. We're just walking through the vineyards. It's very romantic and peaceful. And you might get this idea that walking in the Spirit is a peaceful affair. That you just sort of stroll your way into Christ's likeness through the Spirit. But the reality is much different And if you've ever tried to walk in the Spirit, it feels way more like a struggle than a walk. If you've ever tried to obey the command, walk in the Spirit, it almost feels more like a warring in the Spirit than a walking in the Spirit. And week by week, if you're trying to do this, it's almost like there's a battle between the spiritual wants and these other desires in your life. And so, for example, you know, maybe you you went home last week and said, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. And so this is what I want to do. But then you also want to strangle your children when they're being uh, uh, disobedient, you know. And then you think, well, I want to walk in the Spirit, but I also want to punch the lights out of the guy who's being rude to me at the grocery store. Is this being too autobiographical? (laughs) I don't know. Or you want to walk in the spirit, or you, and you want, but you also want to fulfill your sexual fantasies. Or you want to walk in the spirit, and you also want to be lazy and passive. And so there's this war of wants going on between what the spirit wants and what the flesh wants. And so walking in the spirit does sometimes feel like a struggle, doesn't it? A battle of wants. And there's this meme going around social media. Maybe you've seen it. It's of the, the great film uh, Nacho Libre. Anybody seen that one? It's this little meme, and it's got a picture of Jack Black, and you've seen Jack Black. He's just classic looking. And in in the meme, he says, I want a hot body, 
but I also want tacos. And as you look at the picture of Jack Black, he's losing that battle, right? And so uh, this just reminds me of what it's like to try to walk in the spirit. You want this, you also want that. You want the spiritual, you also want to fulfill your other desires, and there's a struggle going on. And many of us feel like we're losing that battle. You know, many times, you know, you come into church week by week and you feel like you've been beat up. You feel like you've been in a sumo wrestling match all week long trying to walk in the spirit, but you're also battling these other desires. And you come into church, you're the walking wounded, right? You, you feel like you've been struggling all week long and maybe losing that battle. And so the, this walk in the spirit, it's, it's, it can seem like a real struggle sometimes. And what I want you to see here is that Paul is deeply aware of this conflict, Paul is not going to pretend that walking in the Spirit is a serene, peaceful affair. And notice what he does here. Verse 16, he says, walk in the Spirit. And then in the very next breath, notice what he says. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So Paul here is a realist. He says, look, walk in the Spirit. Very next breath, he says, because there's a battle going on. There's a war of wants happening. And it's a struggle if you're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And there are many of us who think, you know, I, I struggle with sin before I become a Christian. I'm battling with sin before I become a Christian. But when the Spirit comes, it's going to get easier, right? No, for Paul, it's exactly the opposite. When you become a Christian, when the Spirit comes in, the battle gets more intense. When, you, when, you, when the Spirit comes in, the, the battle gets more of a struggle. Why? It's because the Spirit has come in to do battle against your other desires. And it reminds me again of, uh, you know, Super Nanny. Anybody seen Super Nanny on the TV? Anybody seen Super Nanny? Some of you. You know, the kids are fighting, the kids are struggling, and when the Super Nanny comes in, the struggle gets worse, right? Why? It's because the Super Nanny comes to do battle with the kids. She's going to whip them in the shape, and the battle gets worse before it gets better. And becoming a Christian is very similar to that. The Spirit lands to wage war on your other desires, and the battle actually gets more intense when the Spirit comes. So Paul is a realist about the struggle, and we're going to look at that this morning. And he says the struggle is between the Spirit and what he calls the flesh. And you see this language all the way through Paul's writings. He's, you know, he pictures the Christian life as a battle between the Spirit and the flesh, between the regenerated you and the fleshly you. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a closer look at what, what is Paul talking about when he, when he mentions here this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we're really going to zero in on this idea of the flesh. Last week, we defined the spirit and who the spirit is and what he does. This week, we're going to look at the flesh. Who is the flesh? What is the flesh? And what does the flesh do? And so I want to ask two questions this morning. Number one, we're going to ask, what is the flesh? And number two, we're going to ask, how do we fight against it? I can only, I, sometimes I can't do two points instead of three. And so the two are, what is the flesh? How do we fight against it? So first, let's look at this verse and ask, what is the flesh? Because Paul says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit. And the spirit are against the, the desires of the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. And so when Paul says the, the spirit and the flesh are battling, what is Paul talking about when he mentions this word flesh? Well, first, we need to see that he doesn't mean your physical body. 
Paul is not talking about your flesh and bone. He's not talking about the, you know, the, the physical you when he's talking about the flesh. And Paul doesn't have this idea that like the, your physical body is a bad thing. You know, there, there is, a, a, you know, in the, the ancient Greeks, you know, the Plato actually had this idea of dualism where the body was bad and the, and the spirit was good. You know, for Plato, your body was a lower faculty. For Plato, your, your, your body was something evil. It was almost a husk around your spirit. And the goal was to get out of the flesh and more into the spirit, more into the non-physical world. So for the, the Greeks, the body was bad. And this is not what Paul's talking about. Paul doesn't have a negative view of the body. And in fact, Christianity is, has a very positive view of the body. God created your body. Right? Um, Jesus Christ came into the world and became a flesh and blood human being. And one day your, your body is going to be resurrected physically. Just like Jesus physically rose from the dead, your body is going to be resurrected. Christianity is not against your flesh and blood. Christianity is not against the physical body. And Christians who have read Paul through the lens of Plato have gotten it wrong. And there have been some Christians who did get it wrong this way. You know, as you look throughout um, church history, you know, there were the Christians that would flog their body and mistreat their body, body thinking it would help them become more spiritual. Uh, there was one uh, church father, his name was Origen, and he actually literally castrated himself because he thought that that's where the sin was, in his physical body. Now, later he changed his mind, but it was too late, right? He, he changed his view on the body, but it was too late. And, you know, flogging your body and mistreating your body, that, that is not what Paul is talking about here. He's got a very positive view of the physical you. And so what does Paul mean when he talks about the flesh? What Paul's talking about is the part of you. Spirit, mind, and body. The, the part of you that is opposed to God. There, there's a part of you, there's a, there's a piece of you that is hostile to God. So Romans 8, verse 7, Paul puts it this way. He says, this, the mind of this flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And so there's this part of you that's hostile to God. There's a part of you that, 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 that resists God and his law and his ways. There's a part of you that is God's enemy. Now, before you're a Christian, you know, this is your sinful nature. And it's hostile to God. But when you become a Christian, your sinful, sinful nature is broken. The, old Jew, the, the power of the old Jew has been broken and crucified. And yet, for Paul, there is still remnants of that old sinful nature inside of you. There are still desires, there are still inclinations from that old hostility that, that are still inside of your person. This is your flesh. This is what Paul is talking about. And so the picture we've got to get of ourselves is uh, almost like of two enemies on the inside. You know, if you're a college student, picture having a roommate that you absolutely hate. A roommate that is, you're diametrically opposed to one another, you can't stand each other, you're against each other, and you're living under the same roof. This is you if you're a Christian. The spirit of God lives in you and the hostile, hostile flesh is in you and they war against each other. Day after day, week after week, these two parts of you are in a civil war, battling it out. And this is why Paul says, he says you've got the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And he says this is why sometimes you end up doing the things you don't wanna do. You know, you've, you've been there where you, I don't want to get mad at my kids. I don't, I don't want to lose my temper or my patience, but you end up doing the things you don't want to do. Why? There's a war going on. 
There's a civil war going on. There's a spirit of God. There's also this hostility to God, and they're going, they're battling it out within. And so Paul says, when you walk in the spirit, you're gonna, you need to understand there is a battle between the spirit and the flesh, and it's a battle that goes on on the inside. So Christians, we have three different enemies, two of them on the outside and one that's on the inside. First John talks about this. He says there are three enemies of the Christian. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now the world, you know, the, you know, the evil world system where there's, there's greed and materialism and just the, the current that's going on in the world, that's your enemy out there. And then there's also the devil. We live in an enchanted world where there's angels and demons and, and that are attacking you from the outside. But then Paul says you've got a third enemy, which is the flesh. This is the enemy within. This is the thing that attacks you from the inside. And it's you against you. It's your regenerated you against your flesh. And, it, and, and they battle it out all on the inside. And consequently, this is why... Uh, even if you separate yourself from the world, even if you get out of society, you're still gonna find yourself battling with sin. I'm reading a book called The Benedict Option. And The Benedict Option, it's, it's, this, it's, a, it's an argument this guy makes referring back to one of this, these old Christians. His name was St. Benedict. And St. Benedict lived during the time of the fall of Rome, you know, where the barbarians came in and, and essentially uh, disintegrated the whole society of Rome and it fell apart, morally it even fell apart and things were bad and corrupt in the society. And St. Benedict said, it's so bad, it's so corrupt, we need to get out of here. And so he started a little Christian commune outside of society thinking he's gonna get away from the corruption. And the book I'm reading, he says, we need to do the same thing today. He said, society is so corrupt, things are so bad, we need to get out of the world. We need to just escape, get out of here, live in Christian communes. The problem with that is, is that even if you leave the corruption of the world, guess what goes with you? Your flesh. You never escape the flesh. Even if you get out of the society, you take the flesh wherever you go. It's the, it's the enemy within. And so even if you, Paul is saying this is a battle that rages on the inside. And in a sense, he says, you are your worst enemy. And we need to realize this because sometimes we think, you know, the problem is my circumstances. You know, if I only had well-behaved kids, I wouldn't sin so much. <laughs> if only I had a different spouse, then I wouldn't be so frustrated and impatient and angry. You know, if I was only out of this job or out of this, uh, this circumstance or this situation, and Paul is saying, no, 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 your problem is not just circumstantial. It's not just out there. The problem is inside here. And even if you leave that relationship or you leave that job or you get out of that situation, guess what you take with you? You goes with you wherever you go. And so you may find yourself battling wherever you go because the, the flesh is always there on the inside. Your circumstances may expose your flesh. So I like uh, surfing, and, and one of the things, there's a surf spot down in Mexico, I remember, where in the evening it's high tide and the waves are beautiful and wonderful and you want to go out and surf those waves, but then you wake up in the morning and the tide has gone out and all you see out there are jagged rocks and reef that looks incredibly dangerous. The tide did not create the jagged reef. The tide exposed the reef. And your circumstances don't create the sin, they expose your flesh. And Paul says, you've got to know this. The, the, the problem here is on the inside. There's a battle going on. There's a hostility to God inside of you. We also need to realize that everybody's got a flesh. You know, even the most godly people, Darren Adams, 
has a flesh. Scott Rulier even has a, fre- Scott Rulier has a flesh. All of us have a flesh. What this means is that you ought to be suspicious about your own heart. You know, don't be so Pollyannish about your, about your motives because all of us have this piece of us that is hostile to God that isn't, that, that, that has impure motives. And so, you know, it's in there. Understand when you look at yourself that it's there. Notice also here that the flesh is, is not the true you. When Paul talks about your flesh, he's talking about the, the part of you that is leading you away from the true you. So the way Paul talks about it in another place is your, there's the new man and the old man. There's the new self and the old self. And the flesh is the old self, the self that's pulling you back into the old life. It's the self that's pulling you away from who God's called you to be. Paul here says that the spirit uh, desires against the flesh, and this flesh desires against the spirit. The word desire there is the Greek word epithumia. Can we all say that together? Epithumia. The word epithumia means over-desire. And this is exactly what the flesh does. It's not necessarily evil desires, but over-desires. Not bad desires for bad things, but over-desires for good things. The flesh distorts the real you. You know, desiring sex is good, but lust is bad. Desiring money is not necessarily bad, but greed is bad. And the flesh is distorting your desires and pulling you away from the you that you were meant to be. It's in there. And notice also that the flesh is going to be with you until you, you die or are glorified in heaven with God. You will never end this battle with the flesh. It's always going to be there. You know, we may make progress, but the flesh is always going to be a reality in your life. And it's important to real, realize this because there are Christians that teach uh, sinless perfectionism where they say that you could actually reach a pl- place in this life where you don't struggle anymore. That's not true. Your flesh is always going to be there. And Charles Spurgeon said that if anybody tells you that they're sinlessly perfect, he says, here's what I want you to do. Hide in a room full of a big, uh, with a big bucket of ice cold water. And when they walk in the room, throw the water on them. He says, you're going to see the flesh really quick. So you put yourself in the right situation in the right circumstances, that flesh is going to be exposed. And it's there, it's on the inside, you can't leave society and get away from it. It's the old man, it's the old you, it's the part of you that's hostile to God. This is the flesh, this is your enemy, it's the enemy within. But let's ask the question, what do we do about the flesh? So you have this, this part of you that, that is battling within you, that's making you struggle against the Holy Spirit. What do we do about it? I mean, do we just kind of uh, throw our hands up and say, well, we're gonna struggle until we die. It's gonna be there for the rest of our lives. I guess we just kind of deal with it. Well, what Paul's gonna say is there is, yeah, it is gonna be there, but you can make progress. There are things you can do to fight against your flesh, and you should fight against your flesh. And so what I want you to do is, or what I want to do here is look at the passage here and, and ask the question, what does Paul want us to do in order to fight against our flesh? The first thing I want you to see is that Paul wants us to acknowledge the war with our flesh. I mean, that's exactly what Paul's doing here. He says, walk in the Spirit, and he doesn't just leave it there. He's going to acknowledge the battle. He's going to say, look, because there is this flesh, and we do war against it, and they are battling each other. The first 
step in, in making progress in the battle is to acknowledge the battle exists. Is to be aware that you're in a war. And I want to normalize the struggle. You know, a lot of us think, well, I'm struggling. I shouldn't be struggling. If I'm a good Christian, I won't be struggling. Paul, Paul normalizes the struggle. He says this is true of everyone. And the first step is just acknowledging the flesh is there and I am in a battle. John Piper puts it this way. He says, there is something worse than the war within between the flesh and the spirit. Namely, no war within because the flesh controls the citadel and all the outposts. Praise God for the war within. Serenity in sin is death. The spirit is landed to do battle with the flesh. So take heart if your soul feels like a battlefield at times. The sign of whether you are indwelt by the spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with them. And so are you struggling? Are you at war? Do you feel like you're fighting? That's good. As soon as you stop fighting, it's a sign that you've given up that the flesh controls the citadel and all the outposts. And so if you do struggle, Paul, John Piper says, take heart, this is a good thing. It's a good sign, it's a sign that the spirit of God is in you. And you've got to struggle because here's what happens to so many of us. You get inspired by a sermon and you reach a point in your life where you're like, yes, I want to walk in the spirit and I want to do what's right. But then you begin to realize, you know, this, this desire I have is, it's actually, it's a struggle to keep on moving with it. You know, and so you see people who get inspired one week and the next week they've fizzled out and they've fallen back into complacency again. And Paul says, no, keep on battling, keep on struggling. It is gonna be a struggle if you decide you're gonna walk in the spirit. Uh, G.K. Chesterton put it this way, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. And walking in the Spirit is difficult. Struggle. Don't stop battling. Because we can throw up the white flag and resign and get very lethargic and passive. And so Paul says, look, you need to struggle. Christianity is hard. Anything worth doing is hard, isn't it? Don't give up on walking in the spirit. It's gonna be a struggle. I was, you know, it's funny, a couple nights ago, I was at my neighbor's house, and we were talking, and at one point he said, uh, I heard him say, talking to somebody else, I don't read books. And of course, I, my ears perked up because I love books. I read books all the time. I think everybody should read books. And I heard him say something like, yeah, I haven't read a book since I was in junior high school. And I remember just thinking, no, readers are leaders. Leaders are readers, right? You know, and they, I need to go convince them. So I went up and just said, why don't you read books? And he said, oh, you know, I, you know, I open a book, I start reading, I fall asleep. It's, I'm just not meant to do it. Well, I think to myself, well, reading books is hard for me too. Reading books is just hard. But you gotta struggle. Anything, uh, if it, anything worth doing is gonna be hard. And so Paul says, you gotta, it's like anything in life, it's, you've got to work hard, you've got to struggle with the Spirit. If you're struggling, it's a good sign, so acknowledge the war. Number two, he says, make no provision for the flesh. That's the second thing he says. And this is from a parallel passage 
in Romans chapter 13, but here's what Paul says. He says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provision for the flesh. Now, what is provision? Well, you go, you go home at night and you pray before your meal. Thank you, God, for this provision. Uh, provision is nourishment. Provision is food, right? And what Paul is saying is don't feed your flesh. Don't make no provision for the flesh. Don't cultivate those desires. And remember, Paul is talking here about desires. Christianity is not so much just about stopping uh, stop, stopping to do the wrong things and starting to do the right thing. It's about paying attention to your desires because that's where the battle rages between the desires of the flesh and the spirit. And so you ask the question, what desires am I feeding? What desires am I cultivating? What wants am I nourishing? Because the spirit wants and the flesh wants. My old Sunday school teacher used to say, it's almost like there's a white dog and a black dog inside of you. And which one's going to win? He says, the one you feed the most. So are you cultivating your desires? Are you feeding those right wants inside of you? The, the, the want that you feed the most is the want that's going to win. And there are so many desires that, you, that are an acquired taste, aren't they? You know, think about the desires of the Spirit almost like an acquired taste. You know, my, I drink coffee at home, and my kids uh, will look at me and say, why do you like coffee? It tastes so horrible. And what do I say? It's an acquired taste. You know, or, and, and so many tastes are like that. You know, I used, I used to not enjoy Mozart or Bach, but the more I listen to it, I acquire a higher taste for these things. You know, there are some tastes, there are some wants that need to be cultivated and fed. And if you're always feeding your, you know, your artistic taste on bad art, you're going to acquire a taste for that. But if you start feeding yourself on different things, you're going to acquire wants and desires. And Paul says walking in the Spirit is the same way. You've got wants inside, and the want you feed and cultivate is the want that's going to win. I was reading another book by a man named Jamie Smith, and its book is called uh, You Are What You Love. And at one point in the book, he, he gives this illustration. He said, you know, my wife has gotten into whole natural foods. And, you know, natural, you know, no uh, pesticides and just clean food. And, and he says, at first I wasn't persuaded by her. She wanted us to eat that way. He says, I wasn't persuaded. And I relate that to that because my wife is doing the same thing. And he said, but she gave me some books. She gave me Michael Pollan and she gave me... Uh, um, Wendell Berry, and, and so, so I, start, I started reading these books, and I was intellectually convinced. In fact, I was reading these books, I was underlining and circling things, and I was getting more convinced, this is the way I need to eat. And he said, there were, I was sitting there, you know, one time at lunch, and I was underlining everything, and then I realized where I was. He said, I was sitting reading Michael Pollan in the food court at Walmart, eating a foot-long hot dog. You see, you can be convinced of Christianity intellectually, but what are you feeding on? What wants are you feeding? What desires are you nourishing and cultivating? Paul says if you're going to win the battle, you've got to cultivate the spiritual wants in you and starve the flesh. So Paul says acknowledge the flesh. Number two, uh, make no provision for the flesh. Feed your spirit more. And notice he also says, I want you to crucify the flesh. 
down in verse 24 here, he says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to crucify the flesh. Now, what does it mean to crucify the flesh? Well, think about crucifixion. It's a violent, decisive, ruthless death. And that's exactly the way you need to be with your flesh. You're decisive and you're ruthless in the way you kill it. You know, so often we nurse our flesh and we, and we let it sort of exist around us, whether it's gossip or lust or greed or whatever. And Paul says, no, cut it off. Be decisive about eliminating its presence, like crucifixion. It's a slow death, but it's decisive. You nail somebody up there and that person is going to die and you treat your flesh that way. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, sometimes I wrestle with my demons and sometimes we just cuddle. And sometimes we do cuddle with our flesh, don't we? Whether you're, you know, nursing a grudge. I'll just, you know, I just want to turn this thing over again. Or whether you're nursing your lust. Just to indulge in that fantasy or whether, you, whether you're engaging in some other, you know, indulgence and in some desire, Paul says, no, you cut that thing off. You crucify it. You don't cuddle it. You destroy it. John Stott puts it this way. He says, it's almost as if having nailed our old nature to the cross, we keep wistfully returning to the scene of its execution. Always going back. So he says, you need to acknowledge the flesh. You need to starve the flesh, don't make no provision for it. He says, crucify the flesh. And the final thing I want you to see here is understand the victory you already have over the flesh. The battle that we fight with our flesh is a battle that we, that we fight from the standpoint of victory. Earlier in the book, here Paul says, crucify the flesh. Earlier in the book, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. So in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the moment you believed, your flesh was defeated by Jesus. And that the battle will be resolved, but when it does, it will resolve in victory. You're gonna win. I've been reading the book of Revelation in my private reading, and and if you're ever discouraged, read the book of Revelation. Because what you learn in that book is that in the end, we win. And sometimes we get so discouraged in this battle. I'm just so evil. I'm just so fleshly. I'm just so, I just struggle so much. And Paul says, listen, at the end of the day, you will overcome. It's because the Spirit of God is in us. And the Spirit of God is much stronger than your flesh. This is not a battle between equals. The spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and is working in you and will one day complete the work that he started. We fight from a standpoint of victory.